Welcome to Momentum Africa. I'm your host, Hashim Mek. Our show features African leaders that are shifting the paradigms in their fields. We explore themes of leadership, economic development, current challenges, and how these leaders are providing innovative solutions to be catalysts of change in their communities. Here at Momentum Africa, we understand that there are no panacea to all problems. And this is why we examine the following topics. The influence of past and current leaders, economic development, philanthropy, culture, and health within the continent of Africa. Good afternoon. Good evening, dear listeners of Momentum Africa podcast. In this episode, we welcome Ruben Kwanza, the host of Chop Exchange podcast that discusses the experiences of brand new investors of African descent who want to do more than attain success. Co-host Ruben Kwanza is a first-generation Ghanaian residing in New York City. Mr. Kwanza earned his bachelor's degree at Bucknell University and his master's degree from the Colin Powell School of Global Leadership at the City College of New York. He works as a student support in higher education, helping students through to college completion. Interestingly, helping students explore, discover, and impart on their academic, professional, entrepreneurial career path has had a profound impact on Mr. Kwanza's journey. Thus, he engages passion projects involving tech, finance, and, imp- and entrepreneurship with his sights set on supporting his community here and in Ghana. Co-host Fatima Sharif is a first-generation Liberian residing in New York City by way of Boston. She currently works as a higher education associate. In addition to being a public servant, Fatima is a doctoral student in the Urban Education Policy and Leadership Track at the CUNY Graduate Center. Prior to attending the Graduate Center, she received her master's degree from Teachers College, Columbia University. Her professional experience working in education have reinforced the notion of an opportunity gap which has contributed to her sense of urgency to be a catalyst of change. More specifically, she is interested in educational inequities, accountability standards, and how economic decisions impact outcome. Well, well, thank you both for being here, and um, I'm really happy that you're both here to, uh, to have this uh, conversation on Momentum Africa podcast. So uh, why don't we start with uh, uh, Fatima Sharif. Uh, if you can take uh, some time and introduce yourself to our audience, but also tell us how you got your start uh, in your career and uh, where you went to school, or if you wanted to share. So why don't you go first, and then we'll have Ruben. Sure. So as you mentioned, my name is Fatima Sharif. Um, I'm a higher educational professional, um, and I entered that field just because I've always worked in education, um, but I was always drawn to helping um, kind of like the older students kind of find and identify their path. Um, and so 
following my bachelor's, I got in like developmental psychology. I um, was at Pine Manor College in Boston. Then I went to um, Teachers College, Columbia University in New York, um, where I studied human development again. And then I kind of transitioned into work, um, working for like the health commission in Boston. Um, and then that led me to working in New York research um, foundation and eventually, um, and then that capacity, I work with, uh, college students that are interested in becoming educators. So finding that transition from, um, identifying that they want to get a college degree, but then transitioning them into what kind of degree they want to get and what type of career that they want to have. And then ultimately thinking through what kind of lifestyle that they want to have. Um, cause I think oftentimes we have students who, you know, they don't necessarily know what they want to do, but once they find their path, they don't necessarily think about the end goal, what they want to see, what they want their life to be like. So that is kind of why I'm doing the work that I'm doing. Um, and I, I mean, I know uh, Ruben will, will, introduce himself and stuff but then that also led to me being a co co-founder for um chop exchange um which we'll you know get into a little bit later but yeah for the most part that's me in boston boston raised and uh living in new york city <laughs> well, well thank you for being here uh ruben kwanza please go ahead and uh tell us how you got your start and uh and who you. you are thank you you're welcome so i'm ruben kwanza um So, um, and Kyle, I went to Bucknell University in Pennsylvania, and it was a very interesting experience. Um, I'm in New York, I'm from New York by way of Ghana, my parents are from Ghana. Um, but when I was in college, I remember having an interesting experience of not feeling supported and sort of kind of being out there, I had to learn so many things on my own as far as um, managing for myself financially, um, course finding a team of people who could support me and it was very difficult because it was my first time really away from home so I remember thinking to myself if I ever have the opportunity to be for, be support for students in the way that I would have liked to be supported I want to do that and that led me to doing work around education so after I finished at um, Bucknell University I went to City College to work on my my master's And uh, while working, while working on my master's, I was actually also working at the college, helping students get to where they needed to go. So registration for classes, figuring out stuff around advisement, and that sort of blossomed and blossomed into a full career. Um, and uh, for my master's, I did a, a public administration uh, program at City College, uh, public service management. And I uh, was inside the, the Collins Powell School of Global Leadership. And I had an opportunity to meet a wealth of smart individuals, mentors, um, experts in their fields, particularly in education. So um, I had a lot of, of opportunities to learn about education policy and use that knowledge to get a sort of micro and macro picture of what's happening in the United States, what's happening to people of color. And I also had the experience of working with students. So that sort of worked together as I built my professional career, working with students. I worked for, with um, um, certain nonprofits in New York City, helping students get back into school who were out of school. Uh, I worked with students at the two-year and the four-year uh, universities within CUNY um, as a program manager, currently as a program manager, helping students become um, teachers in the Department of Education. And um, 
Yeah, that's uh, essentially it. But the interesting thing for me is that in the midst of all this work, um, I realized that students, a lot of the things that held students back were their familial and financial challenges. And that interestingly connected me with Fatima, who, like myself, is, uh, uh, um, I guess, first generation African here. And we sort of clicked in understanding the legacy uh, of our families and what it meant for us to be, you know, not only professionally uh, doing well, but also financially. And uh, yeah, so we talk about that in our podcast. I know you're going <laughs> to dive in with some more questions. Okay. So uh, Fatima, uh, Ruben already said that you are also from Africa. So uh, I hear that you're Liberian. Yes. Um, so my tribe, I'm Mandingo. So uh, my tribe is actually from Guinea. Um, but, you know, my parents were born and raised in Liberia. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, you know, connected to my roots fully. I'm, you know, bilingual. Um, and my experience here has been very multifaceted, like as entrenched as I am in my African heritage and my roots, I'm also experiencing being American, excuse me, being African in America. Um, you know, and, and there are subtle things that are different, you know, like when I, when I come home, you know, my parents are, you know, talking to me about what's going on back home, you know, who they have to send money to, et cetera. Uh, which is very different than when I'm, you know, out and about discussing with my friends, you know, what corner store we're going to go to or what movies are coming out, you know what I mean? So um, just very different dynamics, but, um, you know, like, you know, beautiful, beautiful. Um, I find that my experience has a lot allowed me to connect with, you know, my Black American peers even more so because they are connected to a culture and a heritage that they can be proud of by virtue of me. So being a nice bridge, um, it's, it's really, it's, it's been really great. And, you know, obviously we have like 21 and me and all these other things. So it's kind of cool that people are interested in discovering, discovering their heritage further, um, and then connecting it to people that they actually know, you know, like I have a friend who his family was from, uh, my, excuse me, my little brother's best friend. He did his, I think it's one of these, um, ancestry, uh, I don't even know what they call them, kits, if you will. And he found out that his uh, great, great, great grandfather was from Guinea. So there was like a connection there and that was pretty cool. So that experience has been, you know, wonderful and great to navigate. Nice. So you both uh, work with the community and uh, you worked in education. Uh, the Colin Powell Global Leadership, I've gone to Colin Powell uh, as well. Uh, so Ruben, how was that experience for you? If you can elaborate uh, more. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Um, for starters, that's where we met. So, <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, I, I, I love my undergrad. My undergrad was great. I mean, you know, uh, um, some, some great connections there uh, with uh, amazing people, but um, city college, I can't, I can't say enough about how amazing it was to be there because it was the most diverse, like academic experience I ever had. And, you know, interestingly, I don't always think about diversity, but there were folks from literally all over the world, all over the continent, all over, everywhere. And that for me um, really shaped me because I got to, to meet with students 
and colleagues who um, had so much information to share with me about their experiences and just hearing the personal stories, you see the commonalities, but then you also see it, you know, some of the things around education that I was learning would be filled in by the stories that I would hear, like how policies impact what people can do, what people have access to, where inequities exist. And um, so it, it was, it was a great experience as far as building bonds with people, but also getting a global sense of what the realities are and where I am in that, in that position, being in New York, being in the global city, um, being African, being um, brought up in an African-American experience, actually. Um, uh, it was sort of the nexus of all those things that really, really, really shaped me. To this day, I'm grateful for um, um, my experience at City College. Uh, Fatima, with your um, own experiences, how did you become interested in uh, leadership? So I would like to hear more from uh, Fatima about your experience uh, as a leader. Uh, you mm-hmm. became interested in leadership and uh, mm-hmm. uh, from based on your background and, and bio, mm-hmm. you, you are on a track uh, studying leadership. So how, right. how did that come about? Right. So, I mean, um, I've always had an interest in understanding how decisions are made and who makes these decisions. Um, and so, you know, just by working my way up, you know, would work, whether it be from being a camp counselor to like a services coordinator and um, manager, director, all these titles. Um, I've always wanted to know, like, who is making these decisions? How are, you know, finances being allocated? Um, and that is what really sparked my interest in, in leadership because I felt like, okay, in order for someone to make decisions that impact others, they have to be in a position of leadership. Um, that's similar to what sparked, um, my interest in pursuing my PhD. Um, you know, I'm getting it in, uh, urban education and public policy. Um, but again, because I want to be, uh, a catalyst for change, but more specifically, I want to understand how are decisions made and how are those decisions that are made um, impactful to people's lives? How does this affect them? And, you know, I always knew that in order to be someone who makes changes at that level, I had to be in a position of leadership. So that's what really kind of prompted me to do so. And, and naturally, um, I've always been very vocal. I've never been someone who... I don't want to say I'm not afraid, but I've never really allowed fear to be something that holds me back from, you know, getting what I want, answering questions, asking questions, whatever the case may be, because every opportunity is an opportunity for you to learn. So it's never been something that I've shied away from. Um, so naturally, I think I also just stepped into um, positions of, of um, leadership. I was also a basketball player, so that competitive edge is in me, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> Um, so just, um, and I'm also very tall, so, you know, I'm not that, I'm not easily intimidated (laughs) by many things. Um, but yeah, I I think, you know, again, you know, we need to have people that are making decisions that get it. And I want to be that person that understands it. You know, I want to be that person that's at the table and especially as a person of color, you know, that understands the plights of, of immigrants by virtue of my, you know, family dynamics. And then also just understanding what my friends went through, you know, just by virtue of them being uh, black Americans and having their own culture in an American system. 
tell me more about uh, that experience of being black in America and also how do you relate as a Liberian uh, to that uh, culture? Well, I mean, I would say this. Um, I think it's a misnomer to think that, oh, because I have this African heritage or these African roots, I'm exempt from a lot of the societal or structural oppression that occurs um, for Black people in America. Um, because when I'm in, you know, living my daily life, when I go to the store, no one says, oh, there's this Liberian, Guinean girl. Um, they don't know my name. They don't know my background. They don't know my religious affiliation, you know. Um, and so I'm Black first. And so I wear the oppression that has uh, occurred on my shoulders by virtue of me just existing in a space that doesn't necessarily uh, regard people of color, black people as having different backgrounds. Um, and so that has allowed me to navigate without separating myself from the masses. I think oftentimes, um, you know, I've, I've seen like there, that there is some kind of like, you know, divisiveness that exists between Africans who are, you know, or children of Africans who have migrated here and, um, you know, Black Americans, um, because it's just like, oh, you know, you might not necessarily have those same struggles, but unfortunately, the way society views and interprets Black skin is the same way. Um, and so that's what I wear. I think um, I will say culturally, me knowing where I come from has been very different. I have, you know, I have, I know I didn't have to do a 23andMe or, or Ancestry.com or any of those things um, for me to understand where my family comes from. I know my family history. And I know that that is knowing yourself, knowing your roots very much contributes to your sense of self. Um, and I think that also prepares you to navigate with confidence. Um, so I will say that is, is probably um, a little bit different because I am, positioned personally um to to I don't I don't want to say get ahead but I'm 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 well positioned to, to navigate with more clarity is, is the way I'd like to say it um but again I I'm totally against you know discrediting the experiences of black Americans who have built this country um and then as Africans who have come here and inherited um kind of like you know the post-Civil War era, uh, excuse me, Civil Rights era, and, you know, trying to discredit all that has been done by Black Americans in this country to to allow foreigners, Black people to come here, Africans to come here and find their footing. Ruben, uh, how about for you? What has your experiences as a Ghanaian who yeah. lived both uh, in Ghana and now lives in the biggest uh, uh, cities in America? Um, so uh, I'd like to answer that. And if you don't mind, can I answer the leadership question as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I loved um, uh, Tim's response. Um, but it made me think about um, how I came into leadership in a very different way. I feel like I and honestly never really sought out leadership. I never really sought out being a leader. But uh, interestingly, in, in a serendipitous way, you know, like kind of like a superhero finds out that, wow, you have these powers. These powers... Um, uh, let you do amazing things. These amazing things you do can benefit other people, right? So it's almost as if there's a, you're, you're anointed and appointed to fulfill a certain responsibility because of what you have access to 
and the type of person you are. So between being raised a certain way and um, to Fatima's point earlier about there's something to be said about knowing who you are to some, to some degree that sort of, I think, positions you differently in terms of how to move and the choices that you make. So having that knowing, you know, who I am and um, um, knowing that I see things differently. Uh, I've always been a person to question things and and the leadership has literally come into come in the form of questioning because knowing it or not, there've been many times where my questions have been not just for me, but for the people that I represent, whether it's students that I work with, whether it's my family, whether it's uh, family here, that's family here on the continent. Yeah. And I, that's, that's been, it's been so real. So it was, it was almost kind of like a realization, like, wow, like um, you play a role and the community needs you to play that role. And so it's been a challenge sometimes like, man, I'm not ready. And other times it's like, I'm the only one that can do this. I have to do this. And um, so I, I, I love that experience. Um, uh, Fatima was saying that she is positioned, uh, she's uniquely positioned to navigate some of the, uh, yeah. uh, the challenges that comes to people who might not have lived in, in Guinea and Liberia or uh, having brought that uh, culture, I, th- I assume, uh, right? So how, I mean, what makes you grounded to navigate that community uh, responsibility so, in your case? I'm glad, and I was going to actually lean to that next. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that. So I feel like um, being... Hashim, he already told you he's anointed and appointed. Come on. Oh, <laughs> I can say no more. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's, no, the, that's the perfect answer. The, the, the truth is we all are because we're in these positions where we serve a certain purpose. And, and to me, the dope thing about um, your, your, your podcast, Hashim, is that um, you're finding the folks who are anointed and appointed. <laughs> and it's like, you're putting it, you're, you're, you're showcasing their superhero powers. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the next t-shirt line coming out, anointed and appointed. Oh, Stay tuned, y'all. <laughs> I, I can't but, wait to have that t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I was going to say that, you know, it's, it's a W.E.B. Du Bois, uh, a scholar here in the United States who uh, also who retired in Ghana. He, he lived out of his last days of Ghana. Um, he had this idea of double consciousness. So, you know, when you're a black person navigating a white space, there's a certain way that you have to, you have to know the code in that space. And when you're amongst your, your you know, other, you know, fellow black people, you have to, you know, there's a different code that, you know, and so I, I make the argument that there's sort of a triple consciousness for um, folks who are from the continent, first generation here, because you na- you have to navigate the the space of uh, being a black person in America. You have to navigate the space of uh, figuring out how the dominant white culture operates, and you have to figure out the space of engaging your African self, um, because there's there's a middle space where no one understands you. Uh, certain things, there's certain things black American folks may not understand and there's certain things African folks may not understand, but you have this unique knowledge where you're able to serve and be served by both. Right. And so it's interesting. This has always been interesting for me to, to see that and engage that and create a new element, a new dimension to my identity and the identity of the people around me. Um, so and that's, that's the best way I can answer that. Okay. So two of you, you are partner in this uh, that in the sense that also you are both co-host of this uh, uh, upcoming 
Job Exchange podcast. Can you uh, start by telling uh, the audience, Fatima, what this podcast is about and what you two uh, intend or what the mission, uh, the goal is? Sure. Um, so it's Chop Exchange, you know, and it really represents our roots when we say things, chopping money, chopping life, chopping food, um, all of those things um, are, are, are the way that we express ourselves, right? And so when we think about exchange, we, um, we're, we're really engaging our work with currency. Um, and that's, I mean, that's the, sh- the quickest, shortest way to answer that. But um, it started off because Ruben and I, we've been working together maybe four years now, I think. Um, yep. And we've, yeah, we've always had like really um, enlightening conversations. And it was just something that we would like naturally gravitate to, on our own to like do on the side where we'd have this like really engaging discussions to the point where it'd be like, all right, you know, the meeting's over an hour ago. We got to, you know, break this up and go home. Um, and it was just something that we noticed that students would come to us um, and ask us questions. You know, we'd go to like, you know, professional development meetings. And people would like just naturally uh, navigate towards uh, Ruben and I because we were, you know, we would basically have these conversations everywhere. Where we would talk about money, building wealth, financial literacy. Um, and we then we, you know, we started doing workshops together on financial literacy, um, really breaking down ways that educators can make money. Um, you, know, t- at, you know, teaching is it's a it's a profession of money of love, excuse me, not wealth. And, um, but we wanted to change the narrative on that and say, no, you can make, you can make money in this field, but there are certain things that you have to do. There's certain ways that we have to operate. There are certain ways that we need to uh, engage with our money and the decisions that we make. As such, we just decided that we wanted to, you know, share our experiences with the masses, um, being millennials, uh, both being, uh, African, you know, excuse me, children of African parents both identifying as African-American wholeheartedly. um, We just said, like, we want to have these discussions again with the masses. Um, We want to really create this hub where it's, it's a conversation of comfort um, where you feel comfortable talking to each other about money, where we feel comfortable, you know, wearing our chop exchange merch um, where we feel comfortable really just, having great dialogue about money, wealth building, playing the stock market. So we do some unique things on the podcast and I'll let Ruben kind of jump in and um, explain more about it. And the, the other thing I wanted to highlight, you know, us both had, uh, coming, uh, having African parents being here, there's a unique experience to that, that kind of like falls into that triple consciousness range where we're, um, or both of us are newly married. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have, I don't have a, my, my, my kids are negative what, five, six, seven years old. I have none yet. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. You know, um, soon come, soon come. Yeah. <laughs> but we're, we're thinking, yeah. we're thinking about life. Right. And we're thinking about what direction, like a lot of our conversations, I think have been inspired by how we see the kind, you know, the, the, the kind of lives we envision for, for ourselves and our futures and you know, our families and the legacies that we've set. And we are we're continuing the legacy of our parents in some capacity, but with a different kind of vision. So our conversations, I think, are sort of the unraveling of the expectations of those who've come before us with the knowledge that we have of what we can create. 
and connect that, you know, and the interesting thing is that, you know, we worked predominantly with um, uh, black and brown students who in many cases share a similar experience to us. Right. And through the podcast, interesting thing is whoever is listening um, will get the perspective from folk African folks who have an African-American experience, but who's, plan to build wealth is a contribution to themselves and you know the, the culture at large and and so it's it's for me it's interesting to 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 engage that and as Fatima mentioned we would have these very 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 interesting but important conversations you know it's you know it's one thing when you when the conversation's interesting it's another thing when you're trying to see results <laughs> and outcomes from you know, uh, and, and you want to have, you want to live life on your terms as opposed to um, um, what society tells you you're supposed to do. Right. And right. I mean, and, and because, you know, like our parents, they've worked hard, so we've done this already. So what's next? Yeah. And, and the other thing I think of particularly, as, sorry, so what's, what's word. next? <laughs> so, so what's next is, um, uh, so we, we've recorded, several podcasts we've had great conversations and the next step is for us to connect people with those uh conversations you know through our, through our podcast and sort of operationalize what it looks like to uh begin to build wealth not just make money but build wealth and um and we we also admit that we're we're not we're not your financial advisor at all <laughs> especially, especially <laughs> legally we're not, we're not financial experts, but we're on the journey. We've learned, you know, we, we, in some, we've been in our fields for X amount of years and we've learned a thing or two about what it means to understand your Roth IRA, what it means to um, invest in things that are building wealth, what it means to, you know, give back in different ways to those that you're connected to. And we want to, our, our giving back in the form of the podcast is to have you come with us on the journey and learn with us as we're learning how to build wealth and yeah so we're talking about different ipos um different businesses you know things that where do we you know cryptocurrency where do we think our money is going to take off next where should we invest you know ruben's teaching me i'm like learning so much i'm sharing what i know um and so that's you know that is the magic that is shop exchange um and, and and I want to actually to to tie it to um, what's uh, the what's happening with Momentum Africa. I think where where that um, rings a bell for us is that um, there are so we we work with so many students who are from the continent who are here who when they build wealth when they build their careers they're not just going to stay here in the United States they're going home they they're, they're taking care of family at home they're building they're they're building some kinds of institutions at home, whether, whether it's businesses, whether it's uh, um, whether they have land and they're building land for their family, there's a tie that, you know, uh, that that's there. And, and I think for the listeners who are uh, from, from the continent who let's say engage and listen to our podcast, they're going to leave with a clearer sense of alternatives outside of what they typically are taught about how to build wealth. And, um, and the same goes for folks who are here, who are you know, who are, who are um, interested in building wealth. There's a typical path that they're given they give to everyone, and that's not how. It's not a path to make sure that you're financially free. 
So yeah. what I'm what I'm hearing, if I might chime in here, uh, that not only that you are trying to enhance the uh, the knowledge, like Fatima was saying, in all the areas that you've pointed out, but you also acting as uh, a bridge between the community where you serve currently, the Liberian community the Ghanaian community, but also with the uh, with those countries back home in Africa. Yeah. Absolutely. We want to, I mean, you know, I think when, you know, Ruben has done various uh, motivational speaking engagements and so have I, and um, the idea is to leave anyone and everyone feeling as though there's more to be done, but they can also do more. Do it. Yep. Right. So we know that there's more that can be done, but you can also take ownership and charge yourself to be the change maker, to be that change agent, to give back, um, you know, a way. You know, there's, just, there's just so many conversations that, you know, even being younger, I never thought that I would have, you know, when we think about our some of our leaders on the continent and our inability to have proper, you know, healthcare structure set up, you know, and, and you question why. Right. And so then you have to look at like, you know, policies the politics. Why is this happening? Why, you know, why, why is land being sold overwhelmingly to China? Like all of these things you start thinking about as you get older. And it's like, we want to engage with these conversations and say, what can be done? And, and also there's a little bit of, of calling out, right? Because once you continue to silence oppression, it just manifests itself and grows larger. So there has to be some conversation and some call-out culture about things that we see as being wrong. Um, you know, like why has, you know, people oftentimes will say, well, you know, this part of the continent isn't developed. Why is that? But people don't necessarily know the impacts and implications of war. When a country has civil war, how it affects them. Um, and, and, and then it creates um, a dynamic in which people don't feel like they can go back and be change agents. You know what I mean? They don't necessarily feel like, yes, my family is from there, but do I feel welcome enough to go there and invest my money there? I don't know. So these are the things that Ruben and I are trying to figure out. Like, you know, in a perfect world, I'd become a billionaire and open up hospitals all over Africa. Okay. So Ruben, uh, you both are educators. So I hear that based on what you're sharing is that uh, your conviction is that through your leadership, you'll be able to create uh, knowledge by which people could make this wealth and build their homes back in Africa, but also sustain themselves throughout the school, uh, you know, system where they are in New York city. Uh, how did this come about th that you were able to figure out this? Maybe uh, the question is, well, what are the challenges that are facing the community to start with uh, where you are in New York city, but also back home? Great. Um, so, uh, we, we offer different workshops to students, uh, around the students we work with now are preparing to become educators in, uh, in public school systems in New York. So we give, we offer different workshops on how they can teach, how they can access different resources, how they can be better educators. I think you alluded to it earlier based on your experience, uh, mm -hmm. academic experiences and dealing with people, uh, you were able to kind of come to this conclusion uh, that this is an area maybe that you could work on. Yeah, um, I think it, to be honest with you, again, we're talking about wealth. We're talking about that being a primary barrier 
um, for our students to find their place or feel like they can contribute or feel like they can enhance their life. The reality is that as much as you can want to do something in your native country, if you're not financially secure in the place where you exist and live now, that is going to be a goal that's further removed. So with my work with the students, um, and, and again, it's not just, you know, through my job. This is just with various um, students, members of the community. Like I said, Ruben and I have both done mo- motivational speaking engagements, and these are the conversations that we have. It's really saying, like, listen, this is how you can get your money to work for you. You know, oftentimes, you know, I've, I've been in situations where I know, you know, families of six, seven, living in a one-bedroom or two-bedroom apartment. But each of them are collectively bringing home at minimum $500 a month. So if you're if you are a, a family of five, you're talking about 2500 that is coming into that house but it's going towards rent in New York City. Let's think let's change the paradigm. What if each of us can can try to, you know, save as much as possible, downgrade as much as possible to then purchase property? Um, what are, what are some ways that, you know, and again, it's never going to be easy because the reality is, especially during the pandemic, we're dealing with people that are living check to check. It's never going to be easy, but guess what? We've got to change the narrative. We've got to change the system. So the only way to do that is to make radical change. And that's a lot of our conversation. And then not only that, but like securing yourself in a career, securing yourself in a, in employment or really taking that leap of faith and becoming an entrepreneur. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, But what we want to talk about is wealth, wealth accruement, you know, developing wealth, financing, um, anything that you want to do. How can we go about doing this? Like wash windows for a dollar, you know, make teach, whatever it is that we, you know, we can do to really accrue wealth is what we're trying to have uh, these conversations with our students about and various people. And again, this is all going to be things that we discuss on the podcast. Um, Ruben, I know before your door knocked, <laughs> you were kind of talking about that. So yeah, um, I wanted, feel free to jump in. Yeah, I wanted to put that in context. So we were working with students talking about things that would help them develop in their ability to become educators. But we also found that, as uh, Fatima mentioned, there were uh, students would have a lot of issues around finances. So like, you know, um, just day to day, how do I keep up with these expenses? I can't continue school next semester. Um, um, how do I find funds, scholarships, stuff like that? And so we thought, hmm, these are issues now. What is it going to be like while they're working in the field? How is it that they secure their wealth while working? What are the bits of knowledge they just need to know? You know, I've had students who, um, I remember I had one student, really smart guy from Senegal, he was an older gentleman. He was a teacher in Senegal, um, but he came here because he felt like there would be more opportunity here. And the money that he was raising here was going to go back home. And so the question is, is he just taking money from check to check or is he pulling money from a Roth IRA that is built, you know, wealth over a certain period of time. And, you know, he knows what's a tax event such that, you know, if he takes money too soon or too late, you know, he's going to get taxed in a certain way. Like are these things that students know on a regular basis um, to maximize their ability to access wealth for themselves and those who they, they, they'll care for. So as we dived into those conversations, as Fatima mentioned earlier, students would come to us afterwards and they, they would have so many more questions like, 
credit? What does it mean to build credit? Like, are you, are you getting a credit card just to pay for emergencies or is your credit card actually making money for you? Because it's making money for the company, <laughs> you know, but, right. you know, are, but are you, are you accruing points in a way that you actually have a net positive at the end of the year or a net negative? Right. right. And, so, you know, we would have these kinds of conversations and the questions would just keep pouring in. And uh, Fatima, you know, she's taught me a lot about stuff around real estate and investments. You know, sometimes folks might want to get a job, work, save, and get a place. But is your credit right? Is, you know, uh, is, is this home actually an investment? Are you getting a one-family or a two-family home, right? Um, if you're saving money and you're taking money back home, you know, um, what are your options back home? You know, right. You, what um, are you doing to make it work for you? Really? Yeah. So we just, just diving. It's, it's, it, it titillates folks interests and yeah. want to know, but many people, there isn't, there isn't a streamlined path through most of folks education that prepares them to do these things. And for some folks who have a plan, it's like, okay, this work is great and I love it. And I'm glad that I'm passionate about it, but it's not enough to get me to where I want to go. So to Fatima's point, how do I, engage in some sort of entrepreneurial venture that will allow me to accrue even more wealth. What does that look like? Yeah. And, and, and to be honest, we've seen, we've seen results. I, it's, and this is no lie. Yesterday, actually, um, I needed uh, a former student to do like a panel of some sort. And he literally said, guess what? And I was like, why? And he's like, I actually purchased a property in New Jersey. So this is now, um, my third student since we've uh, started doing these workshops that has purchased property, right? That's three people who have drastically changed the outcome um, of their lives just by purchasing property right now. And the, and the, you know, again, three doesn't seem like many, but three is, is on our way to seeing the hundreds and thousands and millions of people that we want to see encouraged um, by, you know, putting, some knowledge into our community again you know there's there's so many avenues to get um to to get receive knowledge um but i i think ruben and i were really focused on we want you to know that you literally are us and we are you like <laughs> we're literally in this together and um you know there isn't necessary there's nothing i can't say i went to school again we're not at financial advisors all these things we're just regular working people we're just trying to, you know, build some type of wealth to pass on to our families and secure ourselves. Um, so uh, this is this is really uh, interesting because you both have um, um, crystallized what it means to be a, a change agent. By which you both stated that um, you, you you want to change. Fatima, you're saying there need to be a paradigm. Uh, shift and uh, change the narratives and being radical in that. So in the sense that, you know, you, you, you're impacting these people's uh, minds on how to uh, create wealth. Also, Ruben uh, stated the same thing that these are things that you two working in the community see that they are very vital. And I can't wait to hear more about this uh, incredible wor work that you two are doing now. Um, what have been your uh, greatest uh, milestones or accomplishments, if I may uh, ask you, Ruben, first? Uh, 
Yes, sorry. Um, so for me, some of my greatest accomplishments um, have been working the work that I've done with students. I mean, it's it's been amazing to see students go from point A to point B, all the way to point Z, and know that I've played a role in that. For me, it crystallizes what my capabilities are, and it it, it reminds me of the importance of the role that I play. And so um, that working in this field has been very, 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 very important. And um, some students I've had have been resources to other students. And so creating spaces where they get to build with each other, um, those things, those two things have been just priceless. And, and so for me, it, it sort of um, uh, presses me to want to do the same thing for folks financially. You know, um, it, it, it drives that that motivation. I have I have nephews, um, one who all who were born here, but one who lived the majority of his life in Ghana. And we have conversations about what it means to build wealth. And he recently um, moved to the United States from Ghana. So he tells me about things there and how the country is developing and different kinds of opportunities and the actual relationships that exist between folks from us who are going to Ghana who want to do business and for himself it makes him think wow like I can be doing the same thing you know I can be um getting property or you know uh, uh and hosting folks who um, um are, are either visiting or college students like I can be doing the same thing so he has that entrepreneurial mindset um so having the skills and the know-how to help him and many like him get from point a to point b is something that um, I, I really, really, really take pride in. Well, Fatima, can you also uh, uh, say? A sure. Words? I mean, mine's is similar to Ruben. Um, I think again, just planting those seeds um, and seeing how you know how the tree grows and it has branches and then it extends to other um, people in their minds has been the greatest thing I've I've accomplished. Um, you know, I we did a trip. I planned a trip for for um, a few of my students and um, upon their return, one of them actually went back to his school that he was teaching at, planned a trip and he took 20 of his students. So just by taking one student outside of New York and he had actually never left New York city. He thought like, Oh wow, this is something that I can do. Not only did he think it, but he actually did it. And he took his students, um, you know, on a trip as well. Um, I think they went to like DC. They did the same thing. I took them to DC. He took them to DC. They went to the African American History Museum. Um, but more, I love the story. It, it's those little things that happen that makes me feel hopeful um, and that I feel super accomplished because I know that it's just a matter of exposure. You know, so having these conversations is good. And then also acting upon these conversations is also another thing. And I think um, as educators, as leaders, as people, in the community, you never know who's watching and then you never know who's listening, you know? So there's always the moment to be impactful with the work that you're doing. So interesting. Talking about uh, who's listening and who might uh, be uh, wanting the advice, what are the uh, effective ways uh, that you too can uh, maybe advise for people who wanting to do some social innovation or uh, become successful in their areas in your communities, but also back in Africa from the uh, countries of origin where uh, we all come from. You know, um, so yeah. I think 
I think right now we live in a very interesting time where your ability to connect and learn uh, isn't limited by physical borders, right? Um, if you're on the continent and you're an amazing programmer and you have a certain kind of skill where you can, you know, you can develop apps or you can develop, you know, just different kinds of software, you can connect with someone who's living in the United States or vice versa, and you can work on global projects together. And um, right now, I know there's this particular uh, project that's happening. Um, it's a project called Liquid, and it's a, it's a cryptocurrency, actually, project with a, a fellow from Nigeria and a, a brother who's in the United States but from Jamaica. And he did a schooling here in, uh, in the United States. And his background is finance. The brother from um, Nigeria, his finances, his, his background is uh, programming. So they kind of leveraged both of their skills to develop a platform that allows people to take loans, um, uh, pull money in order to give, uh, give uh, liquidity and earn interest on it. Doesn't matter where you're from. And you can be, you can, you can be on the continent and you need some funds to do this sort of business or, you know, you have some idea and you're trying to get, get it launched. You can engage in this liquid platform where you can give, uh, give money, receive money and earn interest. And these two brothers who thought about this, they found each other online. They found each other on Twitter. Right. And, um, and, uh, the, the space through which they're developing the project has gotten so much support has gotten, uh, they're, they're on track to uh, get up to about $40,000 in seed funds to continue to develop their platform. And I think this is something that let's say in 1995, folks wouldn't be thinking about. It would seem impossible. It would, it would seem like there are too many barriers, but if we have a general understanding about how to invest online Perhaps if you're interested in programming, how to program, you don't have to find someone. I don't have to, I don't have to wait on someone who's, you know, who, who lives up in the Bronx or lives in Brooklyn. I can, I can actually connect with folks on the continent who have these skills and leverage that to create opportunities for, for, for building wealth. And so there's so many different things like that, that are happening that, um, um, uh, that, that press me to encourage folks to look outside look beyond where you typically look to find skills, to find resources. There are ways in which you can fit the pieces together and build something. And um, I would uh, also say, um, I would also say invest in yourself. Um, mm -hmm. Take the gamble. Um, the greatest way to learn is by taking a risk yourself. Um, like when I first started getting into cryptocurrency, I had no idea what I was doing, but I was like, yeah, Bitcoin, let me see. And, um, like a prime example is when the market dipped, um, during the, like, you know, pandemic, right. When it hit, I think Bitcoin went down to like $4,000 and mm -hmm. I bought some, um, and you know, flash forward, I don't know. I don't even know the amount now, but I know that it went all the way to 19,000, almost 20,000, 20, 23,000 right now. Right. So, you know, I don't even, I put my money there. I don't even look at it. But now that you said that, I might have to take a look at it. Uh, um, but moral of the story is, you know, that's the only way you're going to learn is to just get engaged, engage yourself in things, um, dare to be different. And, you know, that sounds like so cliche to say, but seriously, like, don't look at what anyone else is doing to say, oh, you know, I want to 
I want to do this or I don't want to do this. Engage yourself, you know, take the risk. Your, your, your luck may be completely different from someone else's. Your outlook may be completely different. Um, so that would be, you know, something I advise all students to do. And um, a motto that I live by is it's a no if you don't and a maybe if you do. So always, always go with the maybe because it could work out. I mean, I, I know that's how I ended up getting into grad school. I was like, well, if I don't, then it's a no. But if I do, maybe we'll see. And I got in, you know what I mean? So that's just how I, what I apply to everything. You know, always believe in yourself, even when no one else does. And then also build your community. Build your community. Just like Ruben said, just to reiterate that point, reach out to people. You're not, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but there are people that are super smart in different areas. And so I tap into those smart people. <laughs> okay. Th th this is a really good uh, uh, advice that you both give the community that, you know, uh, dare to uh, be different and uh, join and engage on this uh, electronics or online. Like Ruben is you're saying that, uh, You can pretty much do anything in this uh, connected uh, global yeah. world that we live in, which is connected through uh, technology. Now, for every success, you, you always owe some uh, debt to people who have uh, come before you. You both uh, emphasized the legacy. I think Ruben, he said it earlier. Uh, so who might have been uh, that person or those people who, who have uh, come along and helped you to get to where you are uh, now. Ruben, go first. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to decide who, uh, it's like the, the Olympics of support. <laughs> um, there's so many MVPs in my life. Um, it's, it's hard for me to pick one, but um, the easiest one for me to um, sort of pick is, is my mom. And, um, you know, as I, as I, Uh, or could I, could I consider parents as a singular? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I was about to say, <laughs> okay. You know, because you know, as, as I become a, as I'm an adult and newly married and thinking about building family, I'm really, I'm really learning how it's a challenge. You know, it's not just about the, Oh, you know, I love you. You love me. Like, you know, It's, 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 you really have to operationalize everything, everything down to who you spend time with, how you spend time with, what your kids are doing, what you engage them in. Those things matter. Like, um, and the habits that you build help build the confidence in yourself and in the people that you're, you're surrounded, the community you build helps build a sense of identity and principles that govern your ability to uh, build spaces of accountability and push, pushing to greater heights. And, um, and so, so my mom and, and my dad watching them, not only as parents, but as human beings navigating a difficult world really, really, really um, um, has taught me, humbled me to realize that, you know, it's not easy, but it's not impossible. And the journey starts with you, but it doesn't end with you. And, you know, there's the role that you, that, that you play and that they play in um, um, sort of getting to a certain path. We, we, we were talking before Hashim and I was thinking about how um, I was telling you about my dad and how he's thinking about, you know, for instance, like building, uh, get, get having a place for us to stay and, you know, having land and, you know, and I was thinking about that, like, wow, we, we never actually had a sit down conversation about, okay, 
on a, a philosophical level about this is why land is important and this is why building this. We never had a conversation, but there's the implication of its importance in the act actions to 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 make those things happen that um, I'm aware of because that's just part of my reality, right? If it wasn't, if it wasn't even a conversation. Um, I probably wouldn't think about it. I probably wouldn't even think about the significance of it. And there's so many moments like that I can think of that my parents provided me that really, really, really helped me have the clarity of where I'm going. And um, so, yeah, that's that's sort of my long. I can go on forever, but I'm, I'm going to stop with that. Uh, I agree. Uh, my parents definitely have, you know, been the greatest um people in my worldview to kind of like push me to be better, you know, um, in typical, uh, I'm probably getting in trouble for saying this, but in typical, typical African fashion, nothing is ever enough. There's always more to get. Um, so my parents never allowed me to see anything as a barrier. They always said, you know, you have to push through. Um, so that's something that I've kind of always worn. Um, and then also I think, people are placed in your lives for different reasons. And I also think that you must examine um, your immediate setting, your friend's circle. All of these people have offered some type of um, help, whether it be by support, whether it be having a shoulder to cry on, whether it be needing a loan from someone, um, you know, in different areas of development. I, you know, I look, my husband, um, I definitely, you know, he's very religious and I get my, my, um, my, I guess you can say my soundness in, in going to him for kind of like advice or things, you know, whether it be religious advice or cultural advice, whatever the case may be. My father was the same, same way. He's the person I turned to for advice. So in different ways, people have contributed to me being um, a better me, but then also um, pushing me forward to, to do more. Um, you know, again, my peers, my friends, even conversations with Ruben. Ruben is like crypto guru in my eyes because I'm not that well-versed. So I go to him for things, you know, and I'm inspired by him and the work that he does. So again, these are, you know, oftentimes I think when we think of like, who's inspired you the most, you think of like all these like other people, but sometimes it could be the person sitting right next to you. It could be the person that has like talked you off of the ledge that you were, you know, on the bus, bus ride with, you know, like whatever the case may be. So, um, that's what I will say. Absolutely. Um, so as we uh, we winding this down, uh, in every uh, aspect of life, there are often setbacks and failures that come your way. What would you say that um, you know your greatest uh, maybe any uh, type of obstacle or failure that you had to rethink your um, strategies in life, Ruben? No. You know, this, this, the Chop Exchange podcast is essentially <laughs> going to be a story of all my failures when it's came, when it comes to financial investment. <laughs> and so I hope I'm saying, I hope we're saving some a good 10 to 15 years of making the wrong financial choices. Like the, the, the with my nephews, all of them, the ones, you know, based here, based in Ghana, I tell them, look, save $2 million. All right. It sounds crazy. It sounds crazy, but sorry, it sets a precedent for 
where you should be looking as far as just building wealth, right? Save to a million. And at first it sounds impossible, but then you start getting creative and you think, okay, well, what if I do this? What if I try this venture? What if I try that? And then where I come in is I say, hey, this is what I'm doing right now. Roll with me. Check this out. Uh, we're doing this. We um, Right here I made fun. I started with this amount and watched this grow to $20 or you know, watch it go 20, 10% or 5%. It's going to dip here. Okay. Hang in there. Don't, don't panic. Let's keep going. Right. And um, being able to do those things um, for me sort of sets, sets the tone for, for what's, what's, uh, or what's possible while you know, you're going to make mistakes. <laughs> and I, and, and I mm-hmm. save I save them the time of making some mistakes early. You're saving, if you're saving to a million, if you're thinking about saving to a million now, you're going to do the work to, that it takes to make that happen. The worst thing you could do is do nothing. The worst thing you can do is not try to invest or not have an investment mindset. And um, so yeah. me not doing that, like my entire twenties, the first maybe five to six years I was working for the city. I didn't even know where my pension money was. <laughs> I had no clue. I had one job where I, when I left, I left a month before I was going to have access to my pension to to transfer it to another job. I didn't know these things. And so I actually lost out on great earnings. Yeah. That's a really big failure. (laughs) And, and, and for, and I was young, I didn't know. And, and the interesting thing about the continent and the students that we work with who are from the continent, it's, it's super young. It's super young. All the young folks who are, who are coming from the continent to the United States, they're so young they, and, and, and the economy is shifting so much. They're going to want to go back. They're going to want to go back and they're going to have opportunities as long as they know how to leverage maximizing their wealth, doing it in a way that's low risk and, and building the communities where you can work with people who are skilled, right? It's yeah. possible to build those bridges. Now the work that Fatima and I do, we connect with so many students. We're building bridges. It's, it's amazing for me to see, um, 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 students build relationships with each other and teach each other and use that knowledge to do even greater things. So using what we learn from, you know, financial mistakes, losing money, losing out on different opportunities to make more, passing that on to our audience. I think that's going to position people in a way to uh, um, not make the same mistakes and make more wealth. Yeah. I agree. My greatest failure was, was probably just like, um, being quiet at the wrong moment. So I missed out on an opportunity. That's probably like the greatest failure I can, I can think of. Um, I won't go into specifics, but it was definitely because I didn't trust my voice at that moment. And so I missed out on an opportunity because I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust my voice. And so that's probably like the greatest failure I've experienced. Um, and I'll keep it short and sweet. Actually, and How did you learn from that, uh, Fatima, if you don't mind? Um, it just, it just, it made me, you know, sit back and be reflective and say like, listen, you've never, you know, you never embodied fear and don't start now. It really made me, you know, really reassured my positioning in terms of, no, you were right. You, you know, you should have spoken up or you should have, you know, advocated for, for X, you know? So, um, that's what I learned. I just always learned to just trust myself, trust my gut, because if, if I'm going to, you know, miss out on an opportunity or make a mistake. It's not going to be because, um, because I, I told myself, no, you know, I, I, you know, like I said, 
you know, my father, he's the one that said, again, it's a, it's a no, if you don't, and maybe if you do. And once I, you know, put that in my mind, that, that was the, that was the mind, that was the game changer, I should say. So trust yourself. So Ruben, uh, you alluded to the, you alluded to the point of uh, the land, your dad talking to you about the land. Now you also mentioned that people are going back and uh, you, you advising that they, you know, they, they know about their finances. So uh, is there such a sense in the community of returning to Ghana or Africa or uh, if you can elaborate more on that? 100%. I mean, growing as a teenager compared to now in my 30s, um, just meeting other folks from the continent and having this here in, in New York and having discussions about what it means to um, be enterprising, what it means to build your own kind of autonomy, that's, for me, at least in the, the spaces that I'm in, it's an everyday conversation. And um, I'm fortunate to be around a lot of folks who are in some capacity entrepreneurs, people who have started their own businesses, folks who I, I was on a call the other day um, um, with uh, a brother who was talking about how he's an angel hair investor. I never even really paid attention to that. And, and, and that's something that I want to learn more about now. And he was able to amass millions of dollars in wealth that, you know, he in turn uses to teach other people about how to gain wealth. And it's a, it's a black American brother. And, and, and I asked myself, like, what does it mean for me to not be fearful of taking a leap and making the kinds of moves that will give me that kind of op option, right? And I think right now, um, there are a lot of folks who are planning on, in some capacity, building businesses on, on, on the continent. Like, I know, like, I have friends who have families who have you know, homes and, 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 or they have land and they want to help their family. They just want to do some certain things. There's certain, my, my mom and my dad came here, but it wasn't everyone who decided to come during, during the seventies and the eighties. And, and now, you know, last year in Ghana, they had the year of return, you know, thousands of people came back to, uh, um, to Ghana and they saw, you know, how beautiful the country is, how amazing the people are, and their relationships that will form from that and those relationships that will form will uh, create space for shared opportunity for economic growth. And so for folks here, I think it's important to think about don't, 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 don't sleep on paying attention to your financial autonomy. And, and for folks back on that continent, I think and I'm biased because I, 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 I love, I love crypto and what it's building out to be. Um, there are opportunities for you to build wealth in the most simplest ways that don't involve any centralized financial institution that historically hasn't worked for the favor of uh, the average, you know, a uh, person in, in Ghana, you know, who's trying to make ends meet, like who may be getting support from family abroad. You know, the, the paradigm is shifting where you yourself, if you have a skill can connect with someone, whether on the continent or abroad, if you have family or whoever, to build products, projects that will build wealth that someone in China is going to be using and paying, right? That's like, that's the reality now. And it's only growing and more people want to come to the continent from that, for that, not just um, first generation Africans, every people from the Caribbean, people from South America, people from Europe, they're coming back to the continent for that. And I, Personally, I prefer that it's folks who have a legacy there, people who have a tie, people who have a relationship, who care about the people, you know, not just building the wealth. 
thank you so much for that. Uh, Fatima, can you also um, uh, talk a little about the work balance and uh, and family balance? And then you can also add, answer you know, the same question, Ruben, and uh, we'll have one more question and then we'll conclude. So I think um, in terms of finding like the work-life balance, family balance, it's definitely challenging. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm also doing my PhD. So that is like an added, um, an added activity to my platter. Um, in fact, uh, I had my child during my first year of my doctoral program. So that was definitely something I just was not expecting to happen. I wasn't expecting that to happen in that way at all. Um, but you just have to make time for what's important to you. Um, and, you have to rely on your resources. If you have people that want to support you, allow them to support you. If you have, you know, family and friends that, you know, want to be there for you, lean on them, allow them to be there for you. Um, you know, don't, don't, don't walk around with so much pride. Um, when, you know, you have people that love you, care for you and want to be there for you, accept it, appreciate it and take advantage really. Um, but make sure that you're doing your part, you know, make sure that, with all of the babysitting that my, my parents are doing, um, there are things that I can show for it, right? You know, so whether it be I'm meeting my work obligations or I'm able to cook, whatever the case may be, um, definitely, you know, rely on your support system and build your support system, build that community, build that community, um, you know, invest in people that invest in you, pour into people and they will pour into you, I'm sure. Thank you, Robin. Um, uh, I, I I totally I totally agree. Um, I'm sorry. Please go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, I I I, to, I totally agree. Um, I I can't even put it better. Like you, it serves. It's it's helped me. I'm where I am because of um, um, being able to do my part to support other people, and um, and then reciprocity having them support me. Um, that's literally been my uh, salvation, <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of my own personal and professional development, my own spiritual development, um, building communities. And within those communities, knowing the roles that different people play and uh, and supporting each other, um, uh, creating those villages um, make a world of a difference. Our last question is, uh, as we conclude this, uh, what what's going on in your mind uh, as far as the uh, we we're living through this uh, COVID nineteen uh, times? But uh, what what do you think about the world affairs in Liberia, Ghana, Africa, America? Fatima. Well, for one, I think you know one thing COVID has done has made people recognize that. Um, there's a force that's greater than us all. It's very humbling to know that um, the world can actually be stopped, right? You know, so if you thought it was only you that controlled your world, um, welcome to the new reality. <laughs> no one expected that, you know, the global economy would be shut down for some time. Um, traveling would be shut down for some time, you know, but this is, this, this can happen. Um, so if anything, it's just reaffirmed the notion that we have to, A, invest in our communities, no matter whether you're in Africa or you're in America. We have to ways to be resourceful. 
because again, what we saw was import export took a hit uh, due to the pandemic, right? Where, you know, if you, if you, and, and honestly, human beings, right? If you were, you know, in a country when the pandemic hit and the, and the borders closed, it was very difficult for you to leave. Um, so what are the resources that you can rely on in your community to get you through? I think that definitely resonated deeply with me during this time. Um, and just again, um, this notion of investing, I, I can't, I can't stress that more, um, investing in yourself, investing in your community, that th those are the, those are the two biggest takeaways I took from this time. Thank you. And indeed investing in the community and, uh, uh, taking care of, uh, people around you and, uh, uh not taking it for granted. Well, thank you so much, uh, Ruben and, and uh, Fatima for this. And uh, one more thing, where would people go to find you uh, if people want to tune in to your, to your podcast? So folks uh, will be able to find us at uh, chopexchange.com. Um, there you'll get more information on where to find us on other social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and soon our podcast to be released. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Ruben Kwanza and Fatima uh, Sharif for this lively uh, conversation. I've certainly enjoyed uh, the depths of knowledge and your amazing uh, contribution to both your uh, community here and uh, in Ghana and in Liberia. And uh, thank you so much again. And I look forward to having you back sometime in the future uh, to hear more about uh, about your podcast and the discussions you have uh, for years to come. Absolutely. Thank you. And we'll be sending our uh, email information so you can uh, plug it in your, in your bio. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you for having us. You're welcome. Thank you.